The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. We have to rename the show to Lo-Fi Radio. It is a bear market after all. But you know something, my good friends? This too shall pass. Um, I guess in my career now, I've worked my way through four bear markets, and I'm proud to admit that. Um, our next guest uh, with CI Funds, uh, Mr. Drummond Brodeur, uh, how many bear markets, sir, have you worked through? That's a good question, Wolf. I actually haven't counted, but it's, uh, it's probably a little bit more because I've been doing this since the late 80s, and I was covering Asia in the early part. So we had some fun times in the Asia crisis. Is uh, just to just to add to the whole fun and games, but yeah, no, there's been several, and the good thing is bears do eventually hibernate. <laughs> they do indeed. Uh, well, welcome to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio Saturday night, middle of October. Uh, guess what? Uh, seasonally speaking, uh, the market tends to find a bit of a footing in and around here, uh, usually driven by earnings. Market gets too negative, earnings come out and hopefully surprises the market to the upside. Uh, Drummond Brodeur. Uh, he's an MBA, he's a certified financial analyst, he's a senior vice president, portfolio manager, and global strategist uh, with CI Global Asset Management. A strong background, of course, in the world of finance. Uh, worked on China and the Pacific Rim uh, prior to joining the CI. Uh, experience overseeing international portfolios at KBSH Capital, a senior analyst with the Cato Depot. That's actually one of the largest money managers. If not, it is the largest money manager in Canada, is it not, uh, Drummond? Uh, yeah, I guess it's between them and, uh, and teachers, or the CPP, I should say. The CPP would probably be yeah. bigger. Neck and neck. Uh, so, you, you, my friend, it's a real honor to have you uh, on the show, uh, you know, with your global perspective. Um, you know, global means macro. Macro drives a whole lot of everything. Uh, 2022, Drummond, has been the year of inflation and uh, slaying the inflation dragon. My, my opening, open, opening question to you is, what do you think the theme of 2023 will be? More of the same or something different? Uh, I, well, I think it, the core of it is, Wolf, is exactly what you said. It is inflation. Um, this is driving everything. This is the first time in over 30 years we've had an inflation problem. And, uh, and central bankers are reacting to that and. uh in a very definitive way. And uh, that has been, that progression has been the story, as you say, of 2022. And it's not over yet. Um, and so inflation is still the big story. Obviously, this past week, uh, we just got new inflation numbers uh, out, of, uh, out of the U.S. We're still running in the eight at the headline and at the core is in the six. The core inflation number ticked to the highest level, I think, in 40 years or whatever. So inflation is still the big issue and how central banks react to it. But if there's one difference that I think was going to be in 2023 versus 2022 is we've seen inflation sort of climb up one side of the mountain to 40-year highs. 2023, we're going to be watching that inflation number come down. Um, and so it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a, you know, we're going to be on a different foot on the inflation story. But the pace at which it comes down uh, and how it comes down will obviously matter significantly, um, but it will. And then the question, of course, will also be um, 
what has the damage been done to the real economy uh, from this tightening of financial conditions because we will be into a recession. Um, and so you can't, uh, you can't completely unpack uh, all those things from another. So uh, like recession and earnings will be a big part of what we're talking about uh, next year. But I think the dominant thing that's going to move markets will still be the inflation fed uh, sort of a monetary policy dynamic because I think markets are going to more likely respond to a change uh, in the sort of expected policy reaction function from central banks as inflation eases. And that will happen. So markets will respond to that before the worst of the economic damage that we're going to see plays out. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic, I think, in 2023, uh, you know, much like 2023 has been high inflation and actually the economies have been much more resilient than we expected. And so next year, inflation coming down, but yeah, the uh, economy is also going down and how that interplay works out is what we're going to be tiptoeing through uh, in terms of in terms of markets. Uh, Drummond, uh, let me introduce you to my partner, Jack Hartle, portfolio manager as well. Um, Jack, you and I watched the uh, PPI uh, inflation data. I hit the tape this week. Um, Jack, I want your articulate um, response to what you saw in the inflation print today and perhaps parlay that into a bit of Q&A with Drummond. Sure. Uh, thanks, Wolf, and uh, thanks, Drummond, for, for joining us as well. And I would echo what, what Drummond has said, that uh, what we're seeing with the CPI and the PPI numbers, um, what those are as broad measures of inflation and price stability, is they're remaining relatively high higher than the central banks certainly want them to be. But I I think that they're working with a lagging effect as well. So these are lagging indicators, both inflation and unemployment. Um, These are what the central banks use to uh, determine their their policy, whether it's um, restrictive or or loose policy, raising or lowering interest rates. Um, Just looking at the, the data out there, working off of lagging information, it appears that the central banks may have already gone too far. And I'd just like to hear what Drummond has to say about that. Um, talk about a slowing economy. If central banks continue to raise, uh, we, we may be in for a harder landing than people expect. J- Jack, you're, 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 you're exactly, you're hitting all the points. We're not going to get into a good dust up here because I think we're on the same page. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and that is the, um, the monetary policy that they're tightening, as you say, in response to very strong inflation data. And we can dig a bit into that if we wish. But monetary policy works with a lag into the real economy. Uh, and so the tightening were, were, uh, that we started, and we only started increasing interest rates last March. So we're basically six months into that process. Um, but it works with a lag of six months plus. So the economic impact from that tightening is only going to be showing up and it's only starting to show up now. And as we go forward right through 2023, we're going to continue to see that because it works with a significant uh, sort of lag. Um, and that's why historically central bankers have tried to sort of forecast and say, where are we expect inflation and the economy to be in sort of, a, you know, 12 months, 24 months, because we've got to make those adjustments now to sort of, you know, land on that aircraft carrier two years out. And the problem that we've seen in 2022 is that what they're saying, their forecasting models are not working. They're broken. The economy is not responding normally because it's been through so many shocks from a pandemic, a global shutdown, a restart, a war. There's just been one shocked the system after another that it's just punch drunk and you have this massive sort of economic uh, sort of uh, volatility in the real economy uh, that is is playing out and our tools and our models are not fit for purpose they can't capture and measure 
what's actually going on. So we're flying blind. And the response of the, of the monetary policy makers has been, because we can't forecast and see where things are going, because there's so many shocks to the system, all we can rely on is the data we have in hand today. And unfortunately, when you're looking at inflation data, particularly when you're looking at labor and wage market data, which is the most important uh, sort of metric that the uh, central bankers are looking at in fear of that wage price spiral, uh, they're looking squarely in a rearview mirror. They know this. So it's not, they're not stupid. Um, but that risk of unleashing that wage price spiral, a repeat of the 1970s-style issue, is why central bankers have said in no uncertain terms is we have no choice today um, but to sort of kill this inflationary threat uh, before it sort of becomes the second-round effects take off. And we know we are going to tighten more than is necessary because we're not looking – we can't look forward anymore. We don't have any visibility. So to your point, Jack, yeah, they are – by the time the data shows that the, meta, the stiff medicine is working, they would have already you know, shoved an awful lot more of that medicine down the throat, and that lagged impact means that economic you know, recession is going to be more and more significant. So, uh, yeah, you, you've nailed the issue, and that's why, as I say, we're relatively high confidence that we will be in a recession next year because they're going to keep uh, – keep the, the beatings are going to continue until there is evidence that inflation is down – it's dead, and it's not getting back up the floor. I've called this the kill bill approach to fighting inflation. <laughs> um, you just can't let it get back up off the floor, because if it does, it will bite you. And they know the price of doing that is a significantly weaker economy, a recession, and they need to see significantly uh, looser labor market conditions, i.e. higher unemployment levels. So they know that. That's the price they've, they've articulated. That is a price of getting inflation down. Uh, and so while a recession is not an objective, they know it's the price they have to pay to get inflation down. So uh, it's not inflation is not an unintended outcome. It is a known outcome of what they're trying to achieve. So, so just with that as the backdrop, Drummond, what's your view on uh, the situation in terms of, OK, we're going to sacrifice the economy to get inflation under control. Is inflation that big of an issue? Uh, obviously, it is right now. But uh, the target for the central banks, I'm going to say the Federal Reserve, is to get it down to 2 percent. My expectation and view is there's going to be too much um, sacrifice of the economy to actually get it down to that level. So maybe central banks have to um, meet in the middle and sort of accept higher inflation than we had over the last cycle, which was around 2%. Uh, three to four, I think, would be uh, acceptable. And then you can still have an economy that is growing in that environment. Um, actually, I, I, don't, I don't think that would, three to four would be acceptable. Um, I think there is, you're correct, that they have a dual mandate. And so as the economy softens and unemployment rises, they will have to sort of uh, um, shift back to a dual mandate. But they've been very clear on, like, from the lessons of the 70s that risk of not getting inflation down is what led ultimately to that elevated inflation level in the 70s. So the inflation problem started in the 60s. We had several waves of inflation that were not definitively beaten. And that's why, as I say, they're going to stay, uh, be more tenacious on bringing that down. And they've got to be pretty certain it's going to 2% uh, and not stopping at 3 before they will let up. So I think it's, they're going to be more resolute. But I think the data might surprise, too, on the downside, uh, just the way that it's surprised on the upside as we go through 2023. Drummond Berger. CFA, Global Strategist at CI Global Asset Management. An absolute delight to have him uh, for the balance of Hi-Fi Radio this Saturday night, my good friend. Uh, I'm delighted that you have joined us. We're here to help you 
manage your wealth in a measured fashion. I want you to stay tuned. More show coming up right after this. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Remains cool, my good friend. Indeed. It is a classic. Staining time. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Drummer Berdur joining Hi-Fi Radio this Saturday night. I'm Wolfgang Klein, host of the show. Jack Hartle, my partner and also portfolio manager, producer of the show. Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday night right here on 640. It is our delight to spend the hour with you. Jack and I, each and every week, look for the smartest minds uh, to help educate both Jack and I and you. Uh, so we sort of doing our work unplugged live right before your very ears. Uh, Drum and Berdur, uh, that bull case, bear case. You know, there's bulls and bears out there. And of course, I'm the wolf on Bay Street. My job is to, uh, well, get rid of the bear, the, get rid of the bears and work with the bulls, uh, but be, do so in a realistic, objective uh, manner. No sugarcoating uh, here on Hi-Fi Radio. Seasonally speaking, the market is setting up, I think almost like clockwork. Uh, you know, the, the six months from selling may go away. You buy when it snows, sell when it goes. Rhetoric tends to tell you middle of October, the market finds a bottom and rallies right through April with the best three months being October, November, and December. So the quarter we are in right now historically is the strongest quarter. Uh, from a presidential cycle point of view, the midterms are coming up in November. The market historically is weakest in the second year of a presidential term and strongest in the third year of a term, which is next year. So there's two reasons why the market can go higher. I just look at the charts. Technically speaking, Drummond, the S&P 500 has retreated all the way back down to its 50-month or 200-week moving average. Some serious support at that level. Basically flirting with its pre-COVID peak, about 2% below these levels. So let's say from a chartist point of view, I think you can begin getting constructive here. And certainly in and around 3,200 S&P 500, you got to really look at filling up your boots. But the trend right now, the trend is your friend, as they say on Wall Street, the trend right now in seven of the 10 subsectors is lower, without question. A kid with a crayon can, can, can draw a line, put an arrow on the end of that line, and you'll, you'll see seven or 10 arrows pointing down. Uh, which then leads me to, will you know, oil continue to be the champion of next year, or will some of this year's losses morph into next year's winners? Uh, I want to throw it over to you, Drummond. I gave you a lot to chew on there. Uh, what's priced, what's baked into the cake in terms of the market? What isn't? And what is, what is, what's your forecast for 2023? Awesome. Yeah, there's a lot in there, Wolf. But, uh, you know, fun fact, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, classic album. First <laughs> album I ever bought. That second, back in the early 70s. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it goes, it goes, that, uh, that resonates with me, that one. So on to the markets and uh, what's going on and what's price. And that's it. Like you sort of, you know, you know, I say you rattled off a lot of things like the presidential cycle and all these sort of things and uh, the seasonality and uh, whether those are correlations or causations, as they say, who knows. 
But the setup we're going into the market right now with, as you say, this week punching down below that sort of previous 36 flow leg, we're just setting up to make all those dynamics true because we are really pushing down uh, into uh, you know pretty attractive territory from a fundamental perspective. We're actually back to where we took off, you know, the pre-vaccine levels, if you will. Um, and so, uh, you know, the things sold off in the, in the COVID bounced back. And then, you know, at the end, towards the end of 2020, as, COVID, as vaccines started coming out, the reopening come up, that, that's where we are today. So that entire reopening trade has now been erased. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's uh, great. It's looking attractive short term. Hey, on the equity markets, uh, it's still you got to be cautious. And because it's the trend, exactly like you said, don't jump in front of a speeding train and beware of what might break. And so we've seen if where things are starting to break right now. And this is, uh, this is a good thing. These things have to happen for a bottom to be in. And so basically we saw the, the U.K. Broke, broke itself. Um, now, I mean, the U.K. shooting themselves in the foot for a policy point of view shouldn't be a big surprise. I think they've been doing that for centuries. Um, but <laughs> you saw that that come out to play uh, when they launched their new budget. Uh, Credit Suisse is sort of uh, struggling. So we're seeing bodies sort of starting to float up. The move in the dollar should not be, the U.S. dollar should not be underestimated. It's been mag- it's been spectacular. I think it's up about 18% year to date. That's going to cause pain around the globe in certain places. So we're at, the pressure is building. Pain is starting. All the makers will have to sort of react and panic to that as we go forward. So these are all other all profit signs that the bottom is getting in there. Another thing that is taking place, though, I think, is we've got to look at the bond market. Um, and so we, equity markets get all the attention, but the bond market and the bond vigilantes are back. Uh, we've seen the U.S. 10-year back pushing up, you know, peaking about 4% again. Um, and these are levels that I just think are too high for the economy, hence our recession expectations, et cetera. They're being driven by aggressive Fed, so we're seeing, as I say, at the shorter end of the curve is much higher. But when you look at the fixed income market, and I look at sort of U.S. 10 years at 35 to 4%, I look at the investment-grade credit market uh, in that 55 6% range, the U.S. high-yield market uh, in the States up at 9% yield. We have the most attractive yield across the fixed income spectrum in well over a decade. And so we've repriced the fixed income market. I think they've already reflected this sort of much more aggressive Fed and move up. The fact that the curve is inverting, the 10 years not going up, is telling you that you can't push it that much higher from the, uh, the real economy point of view. But it means from an investor's point of view, we've been talking about a war on savers for over a decade when you had basically negative real interest rates. In other words, the level of interest rates on the on bonds that you were getting were below the rate of inflation, and inflation has traditionally been two percent, and banks or central banks determined to get it back there. So we had negative re- return, real returns in the fixed income spectrum for a decade. So we've repriced that. These are the most attractive yields that you can get. So if you're looking to get income in a portfolio, you have options and alternatives again, and that's fantastic. Sorry, Jerome, if I may yeah. interject um, again. Savers, uh, how about retirees in the last decade? What a challenge they have had to face because basically retirees couldn't generate a reasonable amount of cash flow from traditional retired uh, instruments called bonds, and therefore they had to reach for yield or take on excessive risk and buy equities to generate such return. If you are newly retired today, the, the situation is much improved on a nominal basis, pre-inflation basis, that is, 
uh, to invest your money and generate reasonable returns without excessive risk, i.e. you can generate a 5 6 7% return in the bond market today that you couldn't do in the last uh, decade. So it, the, the landscape has changed. The war on savers is over. But then uh, if, if the war on savers is over, where is the new war? There's always got to be a war drumming, you know? <laughs> well, we, got, we got one going on in Europe, which is really right. uh, still rattles my mind. The, the, Russia, the Russia, they're giving us the war we need. <laughs> Jack, will you, will you pipe in here with it, please? Well, yeah. 2022 has definitely been the, the year of geopolitics. And um, just looking at the valuations, we talked about uh, high-yield debt. We talked about investment-grade debt. Let's look at the equity market. The equity market has uh, re-rated as well. Uh, the market was trading at 20-plus earnings back in 2020, 2021, meaning uh, investors were willing to pay $20 for $1 of earnings. Because of these higher interest rates, uh, you're getting better valuations, as Drummond mentioned. It's, I'm going to say, around 15 times earnings for the S&P 500, which is the historical average over the last 50 years. Uh, my math on that earnings yield, you're getting 6.5%, 6.6%, something like that. Earnings yield, so investors are being paid um, to, to own equities and, and accept that additional volatility. Um, just looking through, I guess, some of the noise out there, um, the, the benefit that you have with the equity market is you also get to participate in future growth as well. So uh, equity markets have re-rated. They look more attractive. Just going through our conference call this week, we talked about it with uh, investor sentiment, consumer sentiment. Investors are really down right now. Uh, a lot of it's just been the re-rating that I talked about. But the fact is, the performance of your portfolio typically has an inverse relationship to how you feel about it. Maybe Drummond could speak to that a little bit, just because consumers are, are down, investors are down right now. Investors were really feeling good about the housing market in Canada back in 2021. Um, yeah. And like I said, it's an inverse relationship for future performance, historically speaking. Yep. And Jack, that's spot, spot on is that, uh, that, that, you know, that resetting. I go back to the bond market. The equity is exactly the same. It's just mechanical in the bond market. It's painful to take your interest rates from, as they say, getting twos to be able to get fives. But now you can actually get fives. You have alternatives. Equity market, you, you nailed it. Like earnings estimates and earnings have not declined at all this year, which means the entire 25% plus correction, to your point, is about valuations. You know, U.S. is trading around 15 times. The rest of the world's trading at 11. You know, Canada, emerging markets, Europe, everyone has 11 times. Um, this is not scary. These are very attractive valuations. If we think that the and the bond market is saying rates can't really go much above, sustainably above three and a half percent, because that's a discount rate that has uh, you know influence on where equity valuations should be. Um, and if rates can't go much higher, that means valuations on the equities look pretty attractive at this level as well plus, as you say, the upside potential. Um, and so we are setting the base from which the next bull market is going to be built. And you asked earlier for a forecast for 2023. And I think 2023 is going to be a pretty good year um, because we're going to be bottoming out. Um, earnings estimates are going to come down. The recession will play out, um, but markets will be leading that. And that should be played out in the first half of the year. And hopefully then, as I say, we're sort of things are getting back on the feet in the back half of the year, uh, which should look, make you know, uh, capital markets, equities should look pretty attractive. And even fixed income rates at that point in time should also start to be sort of easing off a bit. So um, valuations are attractive. Yes, earnings have to come down. Look, everybody and their dog is waiting for that earnings estimate to come down. It won't be a surprise or a shock to the market. It's kind of the last shoe to drop. And as I say, I think as that happens, uh, that will be coincident with the market sort of uh, finding the bottom. And I think we're right on the doorstep of that today. 
Drummond, last week, um, our technician, Javid Mirza, he made an important, brilliant, simple, yet brilliant statement. And you're going to love this. His line was, the market does not hate bad news. The market hates uncertainty. Chock full of wisdom. Chock full of wisdom. Again, Jack and I are retail advisors. Okay, so so you you deal with institutions and retail, uh, but we deal deal with retail firsthand. And the problem with the average investor, they they have to better learn to manage their emotions, which are driven by information intake. And that information intake is what exactly what you said is often already priced into the market. Uh, So when you see the bad news uh, as your newspaper headline, the market usually knows that. And often the market has an inverse or a reflexive action in the opposite direction to what the headline would indicate. And people scratch their heads. I don't understand, but that's what it, it's a discounting mechanism. Uh, and so we take you right back to like, how much of the bad news in your opinion on a percentage basis, uh, then we take a quick break, but the uh, drum member, how much of the bad news is already priced into the market in your opinion? Scale of one to 10. Well, I, I think over 90% of the bad news is in there. The only uncertainty to your point is, is there something we're missing? And as that uncertainty eases or doesn't get confirmed, then that, that, that 90% bad news is, goes up. And um, you're right, bad news becomes good news to the market. The bad news on the economy is going to be good news for the market because that's going to answer the question of when is the Fed ultimately going to stop raising interest rates. Um, and that goes back to that core, that Fed, that central bank uh, sort of uh, inflation dynamic is uh, as that uncertainty fades, that's when markets are going to start looking Pretty, uh, are going to start looking forward and uh, moving in a uh, in a different direction. And we saw some of that volatility this week as they've been, you know, really shook around in terms of breaking to new lows, rallying lots of volatility. All of this is consistent with 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 with, with finding that bottom. But as far as retail investors, they say doing the wrong thing. Look, I work with a big team. I've been t- and I tell a lot of clients now's the time to be cautious, not fearful. We raised a lot of cash uh, coming into this year, so nine months ago. And our question right now is that we've been buying bonds over the past month for the first time in a serious way in a long time. And my, the next question we're having is when do we want to redeploy cash into equity markets? Well, our question isn't what do I want to sell? It's where are the opportunities? What do I want to buy? And when? And that's we're having those discussions every single day in, as we're getting a the levels of the market where we're starting to see signs of that capitulation. So haven't pulled the trigger yet, but that is what we are looking to do. Fingers on the trigger. We're trying to find where it is we want to start redeploying into these markets, not get out of them. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a weekly show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager with Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, my partner and Portfolio Manager as well, Jack Hartle. A pleasure to have Mr. Drummond Brodeur. He's a global strategist with CI Global Asset Management, spending the balance of the show with us, uh, getting granular, and actually going to take a step into his kitchen to find out what's cooking for 2023. Quick break, get right back to Drummer Berger, Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. I don't know where you are tonight I don't know what I'm 
my friend? Yep. It's mostly buying when there's blood on the street. Band is low with a low, little CanCon for you. Market making new lows this week. But at some point, a bottom will be found. Indeed, it will. Perhaps right here, right now, Drummond Berdur is a global strategist with CI Global Asset Management. Um, before we continue, Drummond, um, what's the tally, uh, CI Global Asset Management? How much money under uh, the direction of your company at this point in time? Within the CI Global Asset Management, I guess aggregate we'd be in that $100 billion sort of uh, range. $100 billion. In the overall CI GAM group, yeah. Oh, I got my baby finger on the edge of my on the edge of my lip. And yeah, I had some other managers, so the the total is higher, but that would be what we'd be looking at. Incredible. No, it's a big responsibility. Uh, Well, your firm does a very, very good job managing assets. Uh, You hire some of the smartest minds uh, here in Canada and actually internationally speaking. You you certainly do have an edge, uh, a big edge uh, over the average investor without question. Uh, So, we're speaking about the 2023 interesting setup. Um, stocks versus bonds right here, right now. Where do you see better valuation? Uh, you know, long-run stocks outperform bonds. We know that. But we're at a juncture where I myself inclined to be putting some money into the bond market uh, over the stock market. So, uh, you know, 24-month time horizon, risk-reward, stocks or bonds, which way would you lean, Drummond? Uh, on, on a 24-month horizon, I would be – look, I've done the same as you. I've been buying government bonds. I've taken, we're back up to a full weight in the core portfolio that I, uh, that I oversee, which is the multi-asset strategy. Um, so, yeah, we've taken that back up. But over a 24-month period, I'm going to want to be in equities. I'm going to get a higher rebound. But this, this is where it comes into play. And, and this is where, as I say, you know, any clients work with your advisor and say, hey, where do I – uh, you know, what's my risk tolerances and how do I build that portfolio? So I'm going to tilt towards equities as a better return. But as I say, for the, as we talked about before, for the first time in a decade is you can use the fixed income uh, is now generating income again, a uh, positive rate of return and are very powerful uh, sort of portfolio building blocks, particularly for those with lower risk tolerances and those that need income in their portfolio. So I like bonds here. I like fixed income for a very good valuation. Um, but on a two-year period, I think equities is going to have more upside because you, that's, uh, as the, it just does has, you know, it has more volatility, but upside volatility is always a fun ride. And then let's move into your preferred sectors. Uh, technology was the place to be over the last decade. And a key reason that the, I think most investors don't appreciate is the impact of low interest rates on tech stock valuations. People think tech stocks go higher because uh, they, are, they are changing the world. Yes, they are. The market prices them off of an interest rate factor, and a low interest rate factor causes a tech stock to really stretch its valuation. Uh, we know the landscape has changed with interest rates, and therefore tech has changed. So I, I now ask you, Drummond, what sector are you keenest on moving into 2023? What sectors are you uh, most uh, nervous about as we head into 2023? Great question, because we're one of those tipping points. I'll tell you right now, the sector I'm most underweight is technology and have been there for most of the year. That has been our biggest underweight. Uh, we shifted a lot out of those. And I look at broad technology, including some of the consumer discretionary communications, such as the Google, Apple's like the, we, we, they're all sort of lumped in there together. 
Um, and we sort of shifted out of those uh, really uh, coming into the year thinking, as I say, in a reopening trade, I want to have some of the sort of COVID uh, uh, sort of losers, not the winners. So we've been very underweight that, still underweight. Yet that is a sector I'm going to want to add to into 2023 as we as we as we go through 2023 not there yet when i'm talking about technology well i'm talking about the quality cash flow generated franchises not what we call the dreamer stocks those that like dream of one day actually having some earnings not a space we play a lot in but a lot of those much more concept driven stocks have just been obliterated sure some will get some upside downside but that's not where we play but you look at some of like the uh you know, something such as the Googles, the Amazons, uh, et cetera. These are dominant cash flow generating behemoths. Um, and uh, they get hurt because they have growth and higher valuations when interest rates go up. But they are still going to be dominant players in the coming in the coming decade. I'm going to want to sort of be taking the weight up into some of those plays. Same as the semi-space, which is just getting obliterated right now. So those are areas I'm going to want to be adding to. Um, right now, overweight healthcare, overweight energy, uh, overweight financials. I uh, like those. I like energy as a space that um, continue to think has a uh, is going to work long term. But I think in the recovery, it's going to lag. It has been. It's a, it's much more of a crowded trade. It's been more of a uh, um, um, uh, a popular trade outperformer. And so when markets shift, usually it's you know you you see a shift in sort of what works and what's not. People where everyone's hiding out tends to lag as people go back into some of the more uh, the more sort of cyclical players that benefit. So I like energy medium term. Short term, I think it could be uh, a bit of an underperformer uh, uh, next year. Uh, overweight healthcare and real estate right now, I still like real estate, real assets. As uh, once again, real assets, I think I have a very powerful place in a multi-asset portfolio, even though they'll lag the broader broader market. So I will keep them there for the um, the income and the inflation protection that they give. But where I'm going to be tilting into is going to be some of those consumer and technology broadly spaces that have uh, have been most hurt in this downturn. So that's kind of my playbook for 2023 is finding the time and the companies that we want to start picking away to adding to uh, as uh, as this market definitively bottoms and starts to go in the other direction. You know, it certainly is back to school. This is the time to do your homework in advance of when you want to actually execute your plan. Uh, yes, you must do your prep work. And that's what Jack and I are doing this Saturday night for you, my friends. Here to help you do a little homework and sharpen your pencil, well, and have more financial freedom uh, as life unfolds. Uh, we're going to take another break. Get right back to Drum Berdur with CI Global Asset Management, Chief Global Strategist uh, with the company. An absolute delight to spend the hour with him. Jack Hartle, of course, by my side. Hi-Fi Radio, every Saturday night, 640 in Toronto. We will be right back. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Seventy-five years of age, played his final show in Toronto. I had the privilege of seeing it. 
You know, there's a man who has truly cranked up his cash flow. That man is buying back his own stock. He is paying out special. What do I mean by that? If you've noticed him on television commercials, uh, what is it, Skip the Dishes? He's scooting around, uh, doing another world tour at 75, selling song after song after song to, to the ad agencies, to the creative directors, so they can put in yet another commercial. That man is making money. And I guess he's figured, well, this is my last year. i got to go out with a bang and make as much as I possibly can. Apparently, he has a, um, uh, a butler. Uh, I think his butler's name is Bumbles. And apparently, he says, Bumbles, oh, Bumbles, please, a cappuccino. Uh, yes, we have lots of dinner parties and attorneys. This is an absolute riot. I would love to hang with that man for dinner one night. Either him or Warren Buffett. Uh, Jack can get enough money together so we can put it for the Buffett uh, lunch auction. Gentlemen, would you do that? Would you spend a million bucks to have lunch with Warren Buffett? <laughs> million bucks? I, I think that might be out of my uh, my, my luncheon budget. So, uh, But he'd be uh, a fascinating guy to sort of spend some time with. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty that's a that's a pretty rich uh, price tag though. Um, I don't know. So, so, so we got about eight minutes here. Um, I'm going to talk about what's wrong with the market or what's wrong with my indicator. <laughs> and so off air, I was saying, you know, we usually hit bottom when Jack and I have a few clients fire us. Um, you know, they, they, they're well behaved during the beginning of a bear market. They figure this will end, this will end, and then it gets dragged on, and it gets to a low point that they can't take it anymore, and they blame someone. They might as well blame their advisor, which is me, and they fire us, uh, only to see the market snap back within minutes of the transfer out. Uh, but we haven't had that yet. And I said, Jack, you know what we need? We need to be fired by a few clients. We have 300 clients, and so maybe three or four of them will fire us. And you know, a low will be made, and onwards and forward. And Drummond, you were laughing when I was saying that you're fair, but you're, you're appreciating the wisdom in the statement, so pick up off of that. Yeah, no, I like that's that, that those signs of capitulation and uh you know yeah, one thing in my job I do speak with an awful lot of uh advisors and clients across the country and I'm hearing that it looks like clients have been very well behaved. So maybe either they've just been listening to the uh, the advice and recognizing that they shouldn't be reacting to markets. Um but it goes on that we haven't even just beyond this or we haven't seen that capitulation from the, the some of the retail clients. We have this market. This has been a brutal bear market if you look at the numbers, but it's been really orderly. You know, everyone's sort of filing out of the exit sort of in an orderly fashion. There really hasn't been a lot of capitulation. There's been no kind of, you know, complete yard sale days where just things just are going no bid. Um, we And so we haven't, and I've been saying all year, we've kept waiting for that sort of dynamic because that really throws up some great opportunities, Wolf, when you see that play out and you want to be ready to sort of, uh, you know, if someone's going to gap down 10%, uh, 15%, you say, hey, bang, I'll take the other side of that when that happens. But we, it hasn't played out. We saw a bit of those wobbles, like things starting to break over the past couple of weeks in terms of, uh, particularly in the UK, uh, yeah. they referred to earlier. So there's, there's signs of cracks, um, but it's so far been contained. And this could be the old-fashioned type of bear market that we used to have, where it just—it's kind of been this long, drawn-out process, and eventually they just fade away. As opposed to the more, you know, the past 20 years snapback, when you had a historically a Fed response, to be quite frank, uh, led right. to those V-shaped bottoms. This is just that kind of it just dies of old age eventually, um, and uh, that wasn't that was more common in uh, in the pre-2000 years. 
So, you know, Dennis Gartman often writ, wrote about uh, dynamite fishing. Never heard of the concept, but he's American. And, well, they like to blast things and blow things up. Uh, dynamite fishing, apparently when you use dynamite to fish, the little fishies come to surface quickly. But the big whale that's deep down, it takes a while for the dynamite to affect it and bring it to surface. And similar to, you know, Jack waiting to see what is broken by the central bank. And again, a couple of weeks ago, when the UK uh, retreated from their aggressive policy stance, I said, maybe that was the break we're looking for, but it wasn't overly dramatic. But again, there's, there's a saying on, on, on Bay and Wall Street that more money has been lost waiting for the next crisis. So what do you do at this juncture? Do you, you begin putting money constructively to work? And again, I'm, I'm going to say, what are you doing, Drummond? you got some dry powder still. I know you're doing your homework. But at some point, you know, you got to get up and go to class and write the exam. You can't just keep doing your homework. And, and, and we're doing a bit of both on this, uh, uh, Wolf. We're sort of, uh, I've been having the past couple of weeks, a lot of discussions exactly on this. And I have two ways of uh, really of taking up my equity exposure. And one is to say, a top-down asset allocation. I'm going to take you know two percent cash and just buy the market, buy the the, the uh, increase my equity weights right across the board, or take five percent across the board. So I can do a top-down asset allocation decision. Now's when I want to buy the market, and uh, and we do that at times, and that's the type of thing we do in a uh, a crisis situation uh, or something like that. But the other way I, I I do it is rely on the rest of the team, the bottom-up sort of equity. The sector for PMs that I work with that do the actual name pick where they're saying, hey, individual names is like this one because everyone doesn't bottom at the same time. If you don't get that blowout thing, then, you know, things, some, you know, it's like popcorn. Things are up, some are down, it's going around. And so the other way is just like talking to these guys, look, guys, we want to start taking our weights up, but we want to do it on a stock by stock basis. Um, and this company looks attractive. Its valuation is down. Cash flow is long. The business is solid. Um, and I'm getting it 20% cheaper than it was uh, sort of six months ago. Let's start I really, you know, buying, adding to our conviction bets and letting our equity weight drift up on a name-by-name basis. And so that's what we're starting to do and look at is adding on a name-to-name basis. So in the absence of that sort of dynamite fishing whale coming, markets sort of blowing up where we just go scoop up whatever's coming to the surface, we'll, continue, we'll be picking away and individual names and letting our things drift up. And quite frankly, that's how we took our weights down over the summer. We just trimmed things that had gone over far. We allowed, we allowed our equity to drift down as we took profits on stuff and high-graded the portfolio in the rally over the summer. So two ways of doing it, and we're starting on that sort of bottom-up, not a big bang approach, but pick the names, the companies. Do We've done our homework. We know some of the names we like, and that's, that's, that's what we'll start layering in. Uh, Drummond Brodeur, excellent, excellent work this evening. I cannot thank you enough for joining Jack and I on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Drummond Brodeur, uh, global strategist with CI Global Asset Management. Uh, excellent, excellent fund managers uh, here in Canada. Uh, friends, please have yourself a safe weekend. If you have any questions for Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com, the Wolf on Bay Street.com. Uh, we are here for you. Please. Never hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, It's all about money, and that's what Jack and I focus on. Have a safe weekend. Jack, great job as always. Drummond, outstanding once again. Thank you ever so much for your time. Have a great weekend, friends. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email wolfandjack at wolfgangkline.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. 
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.